Hello and welcome to Goodnight Moose, where you can tune in for a light morning start, an afternoon nap, or even a nice cozy in for the night with a bit of story time. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to continue our chapter book series, The Lost Fairy Tales by Anna James, and today we're going to be reading chapter 22. Let's settle in, breathe deep, and dive into our story. Chapter 22, A Plot Hole Gabriel roused them gently an hour later until he felt discombobulated in that way that going to sleep in the light and waking up in the dark always confuses your brain. I think you should get up now, Gabriel said softly. Otherwise, you won't sleep tonight. Do you want to come downstairs and we can plan what to do for dinner? Thank you, Tilly said. Do I have time to call my grandparents first? Yes, of course, Gabriel said. Just don't fall back asleep. I promise, Tilly smiled and picked up her phone, stealing herself for the conversation ahead. They picked up on the third ring. Tilly, how are you? Grandma said. We're missing you so much. I'm good, she said, trying to sound cheery and non-suspicious. What have you two been up to today? Granddad chimed in. Visited any galleries? Eaten any particularly excellent croissants? Um, not quite, Tilly said. We went to that bookshop and chatted with its owner, who turned out to be a book wanderer after all. Oh, lovely, Grandma said. Who was it? Gretchen Stein, Tilly said nervously, and there was a moment of silence on the other end of the phone. Okay, Granddad said slowly. And did you mention us? It's okay. We don't need to skirt around it, Tilly said. I know who she is. Right, Granddad said, still speaking very slowly. What did she say exactly? Please don't worry if she said anything too alarming, Grandma chipped in nervously, about when we work together. Her perspective is obviously a little different from ours. Don't worry, Tilly said. She didn't say anything horrible. In fact, she was really quite nice and way more worried about you saying nasty things about her. Did you go book wandering with her? Granddad asked. Not with her, Tilly said, which wasn't a lie. I'm so glad, Grandma said, since we asked you not to book wander in Paris. When I say we didn't go with her, Tilly said in a small voice. Ah, Granddad said, okay. Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm a little disappointed, Tilly. I know, Tilly said, her guilt crashing up against a distinct sense of indignation. But Gretchen and Clara said... Clara said what? Grandma said confused. Oh yes, Tilly said. That's the other thing. Oscar's mammy is a book wanderer too. Oh, Granddad said. Well, that certainly explains a lot. So where did you go? A book of fairy tales, Tilly said nervously. She saw no point in lying. Matilda, Grandma said, after everything we'd said. I know, but Gretchen and Clara said that we were sensible enough to go and we were in the bookshop, so they knew where we were. It's not about you being sensible, Tilly, Grandma said. It's about fairy tales being dangerous. We're not telling you stories to scare you for the sake of it. These are real concerns. It's a miracle you managed to get out safely. I'm not sure if it's better or worse that Gretchen wasn't with you. You did have Oscar there, though, yes? Yes, and you can trust us. We're not little kids who can't look after ourselves. Even when things went wrong, we just worked it out. What went wrong exactly, Grandad said, 
until he cursed herself for mentioning that anything had gone awry. Just some small stuff, Tilly said, trying to play it down. Like Oscar fell in a hole. Just normal stuff. A hole? How did he fall in a hole? It was a bit weird, Tilly admitted. It was like a sinkhole in the middle of the field, and it was all sticky. It wasn't a plot hole, was it? Grandad said, sounding worried. A what? Tilly said. Sounds like he fell into a plot hole, he repeated. Did anything confusing happen beforehand? Actually, yes, she remembered. He did say that the sky changed color and something else. Something about a character appearing and disappearing. Almost definitely a plot hole, Grandad said. Did you get him out okay? He hasn't started speaking strangely and not making sense? Could that have happened, Tilly said anxiously? Yes, Grandma said, struggling to keep the frustration from her voice. What we told you about fairy tales wasn't for our own entertainment. But anyway, he's fine. Rapunzel let him climb up her hair, Tilly explained. He didn't even hurt himself. He was just really dirty from all the black gunky stuff we kept seeing everywhere. Is that stuff normal in plot holes? Firstly, yes, that would be normal. A plot hole is a story caving in on itself, Grandma explained. So a bit of book magic will leak out. But you said you saw it everywhere, not just in the plot hole? Yeah, Tilly said. It was like... Well, sort of like ink, I suppose, or oil. It was in the plot hole, but also there when... Oh yeah, we met Jack, as in Jack and the Beanstalk, who was really nice, but at one point he sort of froze up and then exploded, and there was the black stuff under him there. Never heard of a character exploding before, Grandad said, and Tilly could hear him put his hand over the phone and talk quietly to Grandma so Tilly couldn't hear. Anyway, he was fine too, Tilly said. Well, until... Until his story vanished. What? said Grandma and Grandad in unison. Well, when we came back out from a different story, the pages were just blank. There was more muffled talking. Did you see it anywhere else? Grandad asked. We saw bits and pieces of it around, Tilly said. She decided not to fill them in on the crack in the sky or the visit to the French underlibrary until they started giving her some answers, not just grilling her for information and then speaking so she couldn't hear them. But why? Book magic isn't a bad thing, is it? Well, it is if it's leaking out in stories. It shouldn't just be oozing out everywhere, Grandad said. It's a valuable resource and what fuels book wandering, so something is going wrong if it is just spilling out. Do you still have the book you traveled into? No, it's back at Gretchen's, Tilly said. It's from her shop, the fairy cabinet. On that subject, we don't want you going anywhere near that shop again, Grandad said. You don't let me do anything, Tilly exploded. I'm not allowed to book wander. I'm not allowed to go to a bookshop. And what are you even doing back at home to sort it all out? Gretchen may be... eccentric, but at least she talks to us and trusts us and lets us make our own decisions about things. That's hardly fair, Grandad said. And look what happened when Gretchen let you do what you wanted. What happened, Tilly said, with an anger in her voice that she'd never used with her grandparents before. That we were allowed to explore? That some bad stuff happened, but we dealt with it and everyone is fine? That we found out something about book magic that seems to be useful? Which of those things is the problem exactly? Tilly, you don't sound like yourself, Grandma said. This isn't how we expect you to talk to us. We're only trying to keep you safe. 
well, maybe I should just sit inside, not speaking or doing anything at all, so I'm perfectly safe all the time, Tilly said, trying to fight back frustrated tears. And what if neither of you or Gretchen are right? Have you thought about that? Maybe Gretchen isn't the safest book wanderer, but look at how all the rules have turned out in the British underlibrary. Look at what Underwood is trying to do. Melville isn't a good representation of what most librarians or book wanderers think, Grandad said. But everyone was clapping and cheering for him, and they let him be in charge. It had only seems to be you and Amelia and Seb who don't think he's right, Tilly pointed out. I'm sure that we aren't the only ones, Grandad said. But people want to keep their jobs, and some of them are trying to change things from within, like Seb. That's what Gretchen said you wanted to do, Grandma, Tilly said, feeling as though they were talking in circles. Well, yes, Grandma said. She's right, I did. But that was a specific situation a long time ago. I felt that I could convince the librarian at the time that we needed to protect fairy tales. But that was then, Tilly, and this is now. Things change. Yes, they do, Tilly said mutinously. Anyway, I have to go now. We're going out for dinner with Oscar's family. Well, we're all really looking forward to having you home, sweetheart, Grandma said. And please don't. But Tilly, even though her heart was hurting, put the phone down before Grandma could finish the sentence. The phone seemed as though it were glaring at her accusingly as she pressed the red button. They were just going to tell me what not to do, she said out loud, trying to justify herself. Who are you talking to? Oscar said, poking his head around the door. You spent too long in books if you're narrating your own life. And Tilly smiled despite herself, and took a deep breath. She'd deal with Grandma and Grandad when she got home. That evening, the family headed downstairs to a small, cozy bistro in the square. They ate mussels cooked in white wine, garlic and herbs, with great chunks of crusty bread and salted butter. Tilly had never eaten mussels before, but she quickly got the hang of using the shells of one to pinch out the next one, and even got used to the unusual slippery texture. Over dessert of creme brulee with a sugary top that splintered with the most satisfying of cracks, they exchanged Christmas gifts. Tilly bashfully gave Gabriel and Marguerite a coffee table book about artists and writers who had lived and worked in Paris, ignoring the tug on her heart, she felt, when she thought about Grandma spending ages helping her choose it and all the other presents at Pages & Co. For Clara, they had picked out a cloth-bound edition of Madame Bovary, the French classic, which earned an approving nod. And from Clara, Oscar, and Tilly were both given identical rectangular-shaped gifts, which they unwrapped to reveal leather-bound notebooks embossed with their names. Oscar's was a deep ruby red, and Tilly's a forest green, and on both, their names were picked out in gold capital letters. Oscar, yours is for you to draw in, Clara said. It brings me such pleasure that you have inherited my love of art, and I know that you think you are not so good. But it runs in your blood, Cherie, she said, with what was as close as Clara could ever get to a wink. And this is for you to practice, to draw whatever you imagine. Paris, fairy tales, maps maybe. And Tilly, she went on, I know how much you love other people's stories, and I wonder if you have ever thought about writing your own. And so here is a space for you to try, if you wish. I think that you might have a story to tell one day, Matilda. Thank you, Tilly said, stroking the smooth cover. It's the nicest notebook I've ever had. I'll save it for something special. 
although a desk full of empty notebooks does no one any good, Clara said. Do not wait too long for something special to present itself. Go out and find it. For the rest of the frosty evening, they talked about books and school and music, and Paris and Gabriel and Marguerite's art gallery, until he realized that, much as she wouldn't trade book-wandering for anything, this bubble of calm and happiness felt like a welcome rest from the uncertainty of whatever was going on at the British Underlibrary. She sat back in her chair, letting the feeling of sleepy contentment wash over her as Oscar and his family chatted animatedly around her, and the snow fell gently outside the windows. The end. I hope you enjoyed Goodnight Moose, and I can't wait to relax with you again soon. Until then, rest well, have plenty of water, and don't forget to fill your cup of self-care. <laughs>